You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. This movie review also comes for subscribers at Time Lord level or above an uncut, unedited, longer video version of the review. Become a subscriber and check it out. Hi, One of Us fans. This is Matt from the Nighthawks Podcast. And I'm Trevor of the Nighthawks Podcast. You may remember our ASMR-appropriate butterscotch baritone voices from several episodes of Screener Squad. And we're here to tell you about the Nighthawks Podcast, where you can also find us getting even more granular with the movies. You say it's called the Nighthawks Podcast? The Nighthawks Podcast. The very same Nighthawks podcast that covers new movies, old movies, mainstream blockbusters, and cult classics from days gone by? The Nighthawks podcast. That's available on Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, and other fine podcatchers. The Nighthawks podcast is also available at nighthawkspodcast.com. Do you like how we keep saying Nighthawks podcast? Nighthawks podcast. Looks like it's time to rewrite our rules for dealing with archaic and cool-looking things you might find. What to do with them. I know, I always was looking for some cool ancient mask to put on so then I could become a god of mischief and I'd do anything I wanted and have, wow, cool powers! Okay, so it doesn't always work out that way with ancient masks. And I think Skull the Mask is the story of when it doesn't work out so well to put the mask on. Which begs the question, why are the bad guys in this film looking for the mask? And what do they really hope to accomplish from having it unless it's summoning up an elder god of death on the earth which presumably will rain blood and horror upon all of mankind and won't be especially grateful to whoever did it i think it's raiders of the ark rules the villains have to get the thing except it's going to destroy them anyway so well the nazis are famously the party of i didn't think this was going to melt my face off yeah <laughs> i never told those people to put that mask on I'd, i would never have done it but they're all good people <laughs> <laughs> Yes, there's good people on both sides. Of the flaming, horrible demon mask from Mayan times. We're here to review Skull the Mask. I am Chris. Joining me is Marco. Hello. And no, I'm not wearing a mask. This is just what I really look like. Rose. Hello. And Luane. You beat me to it. I was going to make an ugly features joke myself. Oh, you guys are all so pretty. I look at this cavalcade of beautiful faces in front of me and never for a second would I assume that you're actually wearing some sort of horrible mask to cover up your deformed features. <laughs> oh, once you shut off the video, I'm going to rip my face off V-style mm-hmm. and just let my lizard features appear. John Travolta? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know it, baby. 
So this is a Brazilian horror film. Hey, that's pretty cool. Uh, one of the things that most excites me about horror is when it's something from a completely different culture. I get excited, like, whoa, this is going to be neat. No Hollywood input whatsoever. No professional studio system input. And sometimes you get some pretty cool stuff, some pretty insane stuff. But I've found that a lot of the time what you get is some really, really gory stuff. And that is definitely the case with Skull the Mask. So warning now, this is not comedy horror. This is played on a Lucio Fulci level of like, holy shit, holy shit, blood and gore. So if that's not your thing, this is not going to be your movie. It's written, directed by Armando Fonseca and Capel Furman. First, we see in 1944 in a little prologue. For some reason, there's this crazy action fight with a guy wearing a mask that's not the mask, so I'm not sure why it was there yeah. at all. It's never entirely clear what the reasoning behind that was. But he kicks the shit out of a bunch of dudes, including for reasons that are completely unclear but later important, cuts off one guy's hand and lets him live. Delivers this box to some guy who looks like an Indiana Jones villain, like rich white guy. They've set it up to sacrifice a dude and then like pour his blood over this big crazy horned skull that was in the box, this pre-Columbian artifact that apparently is holds the spirit of Anhanga, who is the executioner of a god whose name I will not try to pronounce. The mask comes to life. Tentacles start to grow out of it and this guy puts it on his head and then his head explodes and you're like, okay, meanwhile, decades later, wait, what? Yeah. Okay. So it's in Sao Paulo now, and we see there's a sinister businessman, Tack Wilder, played by Ivo Mueller, who apparently wants to get this thing and do question mark with it. But he's not the only one who wants the mask. There is also a priest, played by R Ricardo Gelli, and a former guerrilla fighter named Manco, played by Wilton Andrade, who both are in very not explained well ways linked to some sort of secret order that their deal is we've been looking for this mask because we believe someday it was going to surface again and we're here to protect the world even though the priest doesn't completely believe all of it's real but he keeps reminding you but if it was i'm fully trained to deal with it it should also be pointed out that manco is wearing the hand you referenced earlier which yeah. apparently belonged to his dead father and occasionally works like a compass. It's somehow linked to this thing. It's not really clear. There's a scene towards the end of this film where he's wearing this at just like his job. And you're like, no one's like, dude, you can't wear that here. Yeah. <laughs> it's big. It's human hand. And he's just got it there. And it's like. And he works in produce. I mean, come on. That's not healthy. <sighs> Half of the salmonella outbreaks in South America could be traced back to that dude. You think it's bad when you get a tarantula with your bananas. Can you imagine? But the movie doesn't focus on any of these people. It focuses on a person who appears to have come from a completely different movie, Beatriz, who is a checkered past cop played by Natalia Rodriguez, who, by the way, and I was totally unsurprised to hear this, is quite the star of telenovelas in Brazil, like a very big star. But that's all she's done. And I think her performance makes that clear. I thought she was the, one of the better parts of the movie, frankly. She's super intense about absolutely everything. And she's like the worst cop ever. She's like, talk about like in our climate of like bad cops. She's a bad yeah. cop. Well, yep. You Very referred bad. to her as having a checkered past. I'm looking at that. I'm like, no, I'm pretty much sure she's straight up corrupt. I think we can just kind of go with that. Yeah. yeah. But she has a redemption arc. Don't you see? You talk about her being the worst cop. Let's be honest. Everyone in this movie sucks at their job. There's True. nobody in this movie who's actually good at what they're supposed yeah. to do. The mask does, of course, 
reappear and it immediately starts claiming victims and it can not only move on its own because it can like pull legs out by its horns like a little spider that can run around but that doesn't last very long soon it finds itself appropriate body to possess brazilian wrestling star rurik jr who is a crime scene cleanup guy he's like a big jason Voorhees looking motherfucker appropriately and he's got the mask on with blood coming out of it and he goes around and starts ripping out people's hearts but that's not all this is my absolute favorite thing about this movie he at one point just kind of incorporates someone's intestines into his routine, incorporates them into his body, and then attaches them to this machete he takes around so he can use it like a fighting game weapon that he can throw at people and then pull back. I love that, man. <laughs> that's so fucking cool. I can't believe that's not already in a Mortal Kombat game. You also answered your own question about why that guy in the beginning is wearing the mask. For the same reason that a guy who shows up as part of the cops during a raid is also wearing a mask for no explicable reason these are all wrestlers and they like to show you that they're wrestlers by doing wrestling moves they hired some real wrestlers and just said fuck it let's put masks on them why not no one ever explains it it's utterly confusing and all i can think of is i can't wait for the sequel when the mask goes to mexico and has to fight luchadores i can't wait for him to take on el santo i feel like that would be appropriate if this film was trying to be funny in any right. way and it's not. I mean, you can laugh at it because the gore is insane. Like, there's, like, faces cut off and hearts being ripped off with nothing left to the imagination at all. It's super gory, but never for a second is it trying to be campy funny or anything like that. Like, if they had, I'd be like, naturally, the next film is they're going to fight a bunch of luchadores. But Absolutely. it would feel like it's Evil Dead 2 to Evil Dead. Maybe that's a thing that could happen. I don't know. They definitely, at the end, there's a line he goes, it's only one of the masks that are out there. There, you know, with various powers, presumably, and different oh. gods or what have you. Okay. Now we have like a pre-Columbian Thanos collecting the infinity masks. <laughs> Sweet. It's the chase for the guy who's wearing the mask and killing people. And boy, does he kill a lot of people. Boy, there's just, and there's really good gore. I mean, if you like gore, it looks real. <laughs> and it's like no expense was spared on that. And that's where the entire budget went, clearly. Uh, yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> You made the comment toward the beginning about the villain Tak Valder, whose name looks like Tack Welder, which is a weird thing because that's an actual tool. <laughs> that's so too. He's a whitish dude with a Germanish name in Brazil. What do you think he's doing? Yeah, once you see these guys in the 1940s, oddly enough, though, they keep putting Asian characters. From what I gather, it's a Chinese company, yeah. which is a front for these. Uh, that was a weird connection. Yeah, for these paramilitary dudes who look vaguely European, German. I mean, they're fucking Nazis. They just <laughs> Nazis. never called them that. Yeah. They're the boys from Brazil. The clones didn't work. And their only option now is to resurrect a pre-Columbian death god. Like you do. I'd try and decipher what possibly politically they're trying to say, but I think even if you paid attention to what's going on in Brazil and the news today, you couldn't decipher politically what's going on there. I can tell you, it's a fucking mess right now, like in a huge way. So maybe there's something going on with Germans that we just haven't heard about on CNN yet. I don't know. I do think that ultimately, despite that this is very low budget in the way it's filmed, with the exception, as we said, the gore, the acting is subpar, to put it nicely, and not 
in an intentional funny way, I think. These aren't great actors. They clearly, as you pointed out, are probably largely wrestlers and telenovela actors and actresses. The filming style all looks like it's just really cloudy outside or they're filming it through a sheet of orange gauze for some reason. I mean, nothing about this is high tech, but that's honestly not really a problem with this sort of movie for me. If this had come out in the 80s, I would have loved the shit out of this. Uh, yeah. This feels like when another slasher comes out and you can tell they're trying to create the next Jason. Whether that was the intention with this movie, that's the feel of this movie. Like, if it had come out then, that's exactly what you'd be thinking watching it. Like, great, they're going to have another sequel, right? And he's (laughs) going to do some other weird thing with the giant intestine sword i mean the slasher film was largely a canadian american a north american phenomenon they got exported all over the world filmmakers grew up loving them and in recent years i've seen those filmmakers coming up with their own homegrown version Mm -hmm. of a slasher film that incorporates their culture their mythology the genie's out of the bottle everybody's going hey we can make one of these we grew up on this shit we love it why don't we do it and set it in our own backyard so to speak The problem with that is they really don't innovate the genre much more other than, like Luane was saying, like, here's the new Freddy, here's the new Jason. Well, he doesn't talk, but, you know, if he did, he would speak Portuguese. I don't know. I think of this as more of a monster movie than a slasher movie, really. It's got a big guy with a mask, sure, but it doesn't really have the beats of a slasher film, per se. And it's definitely focused Mm -hmm. more on the sort of, like, with this unstoppable monster of evil. There's a lot of background stuff that it does that I really liked. There's this thing every time it kills someone it flashes to this some kind of Incan mayan artifact that's like clicks over a couple spaces and starts filling up more and more with blood and i'm like that's really cool man i don't know what it means some creepy skull with a big headdress rotating on a pyramid halloween puppet that's the best part of the movie i'm sorry it's the cheesy fucking puppet that costs five bucks i mean it looks like an outtake from something the residents would have done for one of their icky flick series (laughs) i mean it looks that cheap it's stupid but it's at least different you could make one out of stuff you've got in your household, is what I'm yeah. saying, without too much difficulty, and just put it through, like, a filter from, like, video toaster. Just throw a red scarf over a lampshade and call it done. <laughs> the whole thing with the blood dripping onto the clockwork skull, Aztec calendar, whatever that was supposed to be, was there much of a point to it beyond looking cool? I mean, it seemed to me when it got filled up that something was supposed to happen, but the monster was already unleashed. Yeah, but that's when the god would be freed, is what I took away Ah. from it. He had gone out and done his job and brought back all the groceries for the god so he could go out and do his thing. Because there's a very opening the doors at the end of Ghostbusters sequence towards the end of this where it's like, oh, okay, now you've got to stop the monster from actually coming out. The reason I compared this to a slasher is because even though... The mask, the skull, whatever we're calling him, is supposed to be the physical manifestation of a pre-Columbian god. And we know that the Catholic Church has developed this little sect of the Jesuit order whose only job is to prevent this thing from ever coming. And yet, once it escapes, once it's unleashed on the world, it picks slasher targets. It's very judgy, very Christian. First thing it does is kill a woman who practices witchcraft, then her lesbian lover, then it attacks a couple making out in a car. Oh, no, no, not just making out. They were having sex. They're straight up boobies flopping the full deal. (laughs) For a pre-Columbian god, it's very Christian and judgy 
in the way that I expect most slasher monsters to be. Like, if you're having sex, doing drugs, having anything like a good time, we're going to murder you. That predates slasher movies, though. That's an old 50s monster movie convention. The morality monster that's only killing people that maybe kind of have it coming. Except for when it doesn't. Look, this movie doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. Yeah, but it makes as, as much sense as it needs as it to needs. for what it is. I would feel a lot better about going to church if I knew that, like, the statues of Jesus had removable arms that had swords, swords attached yep. to them. When, when he pulled that out and it had that stare down moment with the monster, I fully expected him to just go, come to us and just go at it. But the thing is, you're not Catholic, Chris. We have those. Every Latin American Catholic church has that. I feel it's a shame he didn't say, I kick ass for the Lord. Yeah. I mean, if the Padre pushes a button at the tabernacle, it like opens up and just reveals cannons and shotguns. I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. <laughs> the Virgin Mary, you know, it's got the, the heart there. You push down on the heart and opens it up yeah. and it's just Uzis and shotguns inside. <laughs> anyway, let's go to final thoughts. Rose, get us started. It felt like at least two or three different movies, two or three different genres all mashed together and nobody really took precedence or seemed to know what they wanted to do with it or where they wanted to go with it. But for all the just kind of boring, flat, static, amateur angles and uh, camera tricks they use, there were a few like genuinely cool things that like clearly took inspiration from something else. There was a scene early on that was kind of creepy when it showed, but not showed. It was from the mask's perspective as it kind of all over the floor. I'm like, okay, that's very Sam Raimi-ish. That's cool. And the sound of the legs clicking just kind of made me... Uh, and another scene later where they have this Kill Bill fight between the priest and the monster with this ornate stained glass backdrop. I was like, where is this creativity for the rest of the movie? Like, this is so cool. But it only shows up once or twice and it just seems like, uh, yeah, hey, I too have seen other movies, guys. Good job. <laughs> Don't watch it for the plot. Watch it for the gore. Uh, the gore is definitely the best thing about it and i'm gonna give it five goopy puppets out of ten Luane. when we first watched this i looked up the myth that this is related to because i'm like i'm always interested in this kind of stuff and i wasn't finding a lot of stuff that quite worked and i'm like well that's weird so i found an interview with the director writer or whatever and he's like yeah we just sort of took some local stuff and just kind of smushed it all together i'm like that's somehow disappointing but also seems exactly right for this movie because that's what it felt like. Like Rose was saying, it's a little Raimi here and here's a weird little bit from the Highlander and here's some slicer stuff and here's some supernatural stuff and here's a little Raiders of the Lost Ark and great, why not? Because why the hell not? I would have loved the shit out of this movie when I was a kid and I don't hate it now. I've seen a million of them in the space in between. It looks good and it sounds kind of good and weird and it's definitely gory, but it's kind of a little over in the middle, so... So three out of five sword crosses, because I'm surprised nobody already took it. Marco? Yeah, I was looking forward to this, but unfortunately, I don't love it as much as some people are. I mean, people online are raving about this, so I was really hyped. There's a reason those movies from the 80s are classics, that golden age of practical effects. And they do an admirable job. The thing is, those movies back then were innovative and were doing things we had never seen before or elevating the art of practical effects to a new level. This film is just more than happy to just keep repeating the same beats. It just throws blood and guts 
it's all well done, but you've seen it done better. You just haven't seen it recently, and you haven't seen it in Portuguese. That's really the only difference. And Rose is right, that there's at least three narratives going on. It's such a clusterfuck of a narrative, and I realize this is basically a trilogy, and they pushed it into a 90-minute movie. It could have been the mask versus the cop, then the mask versus the holy order, then the mask versus the guy who was the guerrilla group who had some backstory. Instead, they throw it all together, and none of it really adds up to anything but a red, pulpy mush. Some of the effects are cool. I love that cheesy-ass puppet because at least it was creative, but... This is a big miss for me, and I don't get the love for it. If you love gore, you're going to get that. But please, no, that is all you're getting from this. This was a movie where the script was built around the kills, and then they cobbled together a bullshit story to kind of stitch it together. I was kind of disappointed. I give this five and a half out of ten body slams for no good reason other than your star is a wrestler. I think people who liked the movie Baskin might really enjoy this quite a bit. It reminded me of that a little bit. Just extreme gore, with kind of a ridiculous plot, takes itself a little too seriously, but you can kind of put it on and watch it in the background and enjoy it for what it's trying to be. I mean, I don't really normally have a problem with a movie that the plot is dumb and the acting is dumb if it has a lot of other horror elements to offer that it does really well. But we have, in fact, seen a lot of this stuff before. There's some of it we haven't, though, and it moves relatively quickly. It's it's a, a tight hour and 29 minutes, and I think more than not, I ended up having a good time with it. If these guys got a little bit more money to do a sequel and someone was like, you almost went full Raimi. I feel like that was what was missing, because when you have a plot that's this dumb and it points tedious, anything you do with the cop is just tedious as hell. Push it to the point where it's clearly absurd, where it's just ridiculous, where people get facefuls of geysers of blood and what have you, whatever it is, some good one-liners, something, because this needed something like that to push it over into what a movie with this dumb of a storyline and bad dialogue needs to be a watchable film. Full credit to the gore, it really, their shots, I was was like god damn dude <laughs> jesus christ that is fucking stop stop he's already <laughs> dead that's some heavy duty shit and that's some poor people there's a scene at this halloween dance party there's some people i just felt bad for them they're just like show up hey what's going on Shonk. this girl gets eviscerated she's just on the phone coming out of the bathroom she's like oh she looked nice absolutely laughed my ass off though at the shot where he's standing there and just towering over everyone else in, in the nightclub on the dance floor and they're all just jumping up and down and dancing to have a good time and he's just standing there in the middle of them just <sighs> like that made me laugh everyone's dressed in like you know brazilian costumes they're in like crazy dance feathers and sparkles and he's the one dripping with blood and gore you're like i think you're at the wrong halloween party dude i don't know what to tell you Anyway, I think this is okay. You know, I can even see rewatching it. It's not an all-time classic. I think the people who are for, as we said, going into other cultures and watching how they explore horror, especially when it's really gory, nobody's doing it better than Indonesia right now. Man, they've got some hot as shit people working in that industry who really know what they're doing. This isn't quite there, but it feels like it could be the way Sepultura was in Brazil, the beginning of a metal revolution. Maybe Skull the Mask will be a middle, the beginning of a, a super gory horror revolution there, and we'll take off and we'll get some better stuff. One can only hope. I'm going to give this 6 out of 10 
things I have indeed never seen in a horror movie or any movie before, and that would be using a tampon to staunch the flow of blood <laughs> from a gunshot wound, which is the one moment I actually laughed in this movie. That one was just <laughs> so morbidly funny, and I was sitting there just like, well, you know, that would actually work. <laughs> yes. Can confirm. <laughs> kind of surprised I never, I was like, my first thought is, how come we haven't seen that before? <laughs> well, also, we live in Texas where everybody is allowed to have a gun and wants to have a gun, but we can't get anything like, you know, sex education or distribution of female hygiene products. So if we just convince the legislature that we need to keep these in all of the bathrooms in case we need to staunch our own bullet wounds, I think they'll pass it. Yeah, you might be onto something. 